Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, hey, everybody. Good morning to all of our campuses, all of you watching online, all of us here today. You look good on this summer day. Hey, those of you who've moved from out of state to Texas, this 90, you know, uh, low 90s is normal for summer here. It's, uh, never 103. That couple weeks ago was just abnormal, man. Just enjoy the weather. Hey, so glad that you are here. Happy 4th uh, Tuesday. How many thank God that we live in this country? I'm so grateful. So grateful. And uh, let me just say, VBS was this week. And those of you who served, listen, 2,000, over 2,400 kids across our campuses, almost 2,500 elementary age kids. Some of them very excited, very, um, you know, a lot of energy, right? Okay, a lot of energy. 800 volunteers. I just want to say, can we all say thank you to all of our volunteers, our staff. Um, I mean, these kids will never forget that week, and a lot of them made decisions for Jesus and or learned more about what that means, and, and, and it's, a, it's a journey, right? And so thank you, Hope, for making VBS possible, and for those volunteers, seriously, we are so grateful. I'm so grateful. Um, we're still in our summer series called Psalms of Summer, and just to catch us up on where we've been in case you've been out a little bit. Uh, week one, we talked about Psalm 1 and the blessed life. We talked about who we surround ourselves with, and that's very, very important, along with the decisions that we make. Week two, we talked about the 23rd Psalm, probably the most famous or one of the most famous chapters in the Bible. And, and we just talked about our journey, our relationship with God, and, and what, what does that look like as we find it in Psalm 23. Week three, we talked about um, Psalm 103, Marcus Lloyd. Man, he did awesome. Man, he was so good. And talked about that our father feels and our father fights. And I love that. That was Father's Day. Week four, talked about uh, Psalm 51. That was last week. All of our campus pastors did that. So, man, shout out to, to them, Eric, Zach, Mike, and, of course, Robert here. Man, they did a great job. And they talked, you know, different angles in that. But it was Psalm 51 was the common um, Psalm for that, and, and today we're going to look at Psalm 63, and the theme is satisfied. Um, before we get into Psalm 63, a little bit of background. A lot of times we don't know who wrote a particular psalm. Sometimes we do. This one, we do. David, uh, King David, wrote this psalm, and the background of this writing is he is in the desert probably either before he becomes king when he's running from Saul um, or during his exile when Absalom, his son, disloyally uh, dethroned him, so to speak, for just a little while and then he came back. But it was, in my opinion, it was probably during that exile of his son, Absalom, uh, taking over that throne, and if you know, don't know that story, it's just a, a weird, you know, family dysfunctional story, like many of yours and mine, that 
David went through. Now, the important thing, though, here is that this psalm, and, and as we read it, I want you to keep that in mind that he was writing during one of the most difficult times of his life. And, and many of us right now, maybe we're in a season of great difficulty. Maybe we're not. But if you understand when you read these words that he was in a desert, literal desert, but not only desert physically, but he was in a desert relationally. Whether it was Saul or whether it was Absalom, he was in a very difficult and challenging place in his life, and yet he writes these words. And I want you to think about your difficulties, and maybe you think back on, on maybe seasons of life that were really painful or really difficult. Maybe you're going through it right now, or maybe you will. Either way, I want you to remember this psalm because David writes it out of great pain. Psalm 63, verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on, the, on you through the night. Because you are my helper, I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. But those plotting to destroy me will come to ruin. And I, this is where I kind of get that Absalom kind of feel. And, and maybe it was Saul, but, but I kind of think it was his son. They will go down in the depths of the earth. They will die by the sword and become the food of jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear to tell the truth will praise him while liars will be silenced. What a rich chapter. What a perspective that David brings to his challenge. Writing in a physical yet spiritual, emotional, relational way in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And that is layered, not just physical. Now, when we cover a passage or a chapter in the Bible, what I like to do, and you know this, I like to zoom out a little bit. And, and say, you know, what's the big idea here? And there could be many. The, the big idea of challenge and, and, and then having a great attitude. Or the big idea of praise instead of questioning or, you know, whatever. But, but I, I want to give you the word that I feel like is the big idea for today. And that is satisfied. Amen. Now, satisfied... You know, when I was growing up, uh, I don't, there was a time period in school, and I can't remember if it was, I went to private school, kindergarten, first grade, Lutheran school, and, and then elementary was mostly public, and then, of course, junior high and, and, and high school, and I can't remember what season it was, but you would either get an S for satisfactory, or you would get an F, I think. If, if I remember correctly, it wasn't like A, B, C, 
right? It was just S means satisfactory. John accomplished these things. I, I can remember the, the port card seeing S, and never in my life did I see an F because of the intelligence. But the, <laughs> that's, that's, that, that is a lie. Glad mom's not here right this second. Um, that, that satisfaction was like, it, it just felt like, okay, barely got by. You know, like you eat a meal at Bob's Steakhouse or you eat a meal at McDonald's. Now, if you're a McDonald's franchise owner, love McDonald's, love it. But you would even admit with me that there's a little bit of, bit of difference between Bob's and McDonald's, right? And that's what I'm saying. There, there is this word that David uses, satisfied, that is more than just that's satisfactory. It's good enough. It is this supremely satisfied relationship that even in the midst of his storm, in the midst of his challenge, in the midst of his difficulty, he finds himself in a place of, I am satisfied. God, there's nobody like you. There, there, I, I, I earnestly seek you and search for you and I worship you and I praise you and I sing to you and I pray to you and I meditate on you day and night. There's nobody like you, even in the midst of being dethroned or in the midst of being chased by a king who is insecure. He is satisfied. Now, I wanna talk about what, what does that mean, satisfied? In other words, how do we come to the place? What are the ingredients? Or, you know, how do we come to the place in our relationship with God that we, even in our challenge, even in our difficulty or tragedy or whatever, we are satisfied? How do we do that? And, and, and what does that look like? Now, before I get to that part of it, I, I think there's some qualifiers that I want to make, some, some qualifying statements that I want to make about satisfied. Let me, let me put them on the screen. Satisfied does not equal easy. So satisfied, and I'm supremely satisfied, does not mean that everything goes your way, every prayer is answered, and you never have a real problem or challenge that mostly your life is full of favor and blessing, and if, and if not, there's something wrong with you. I reject that kind of theology. I think it's unbiblical, and I think it's really, really uh, deceiving. Because your, our relationship with God is not easy. It is not just, oh, everything goes. He's like our genie, and we rub something, and we just make three wishes, and there it is. You and I both know that life is hard with or without Jesus. Life is hard. Jesus said, in this world, you will have you know, you're gonna have problems, you're gonna have challenges. James tells us that count it all joy when you have problems or challenges or difficulty. So there's this idea that sometimes that, well, you know, if I'm satisfied, that means life is easy. Or satisfied does not equal perfect. That doesn't mean that your life, we all know David's life. We all know whether Bathsheba happened, and we talked about this last week, happened after this or before this, I don't know, but even before, David's life was not perfect. He sinned, just like you and me. Satisfied does not mean perfect. 
It does not mean you have this life where, for the most part, you're just obeying everything and there's never really any disconnect or distance between you and God. It's just up and to the right, totally euphoric. You and I both know that's not true. And yet, David writes, I am satisfied. Like, better than a an expensive feast. Or satisfied does not equal feeling. That, that satisfied does not equal that you and I are always just feeling great and walking on clouds and, and it's awesome and there's just, even in my challenge, I just have this supernatural joy and it's just awesome. Well, I wish, and if you're like that, well, you should be up here, right? Because I don't think any of us walk in that kind of feeling. There are times in which we have this mountaintop experience with God and it is unbelievable and we're walking in joy. And there's times when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Doesn't mean we can't walk in joy. It just means that we're human and we feel the good and the bad. And satisfied with God doesn't mean that it's always the feeling of euphoria or the feeling of, oh man, I just feel this excitement like after a worship night or after a camp uh, for a week that you're gone and you're just like, oh my goodness, or VBS. I was like, this is awesome. How many know those feelings go away? And our faith, that's where faith comes in. Faith is not always a feeling. We all know that. So when I talk about satisfaction, when I talk about this supremely satisfied relationship with God, it does not mean it's easy, perfect, or it's always a great, 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 great feeling. So having said that, um, I, I try to think of ways that, that when I describe a passage of scripture or a principle that I'm trying to describe, I try to figure out a way that would make sense to me, okay? Now, this may not make all that much sense to you, you may not see it this way. I know we all have different mind pictures of, of things, but, but this helped me in understanding if I'm going to pick the theme of satisfied, then my question was, how do I describe that? And my second question was, how many of us at Hope Fellowship would say that we live in a supremely satisfied relationship with God? And let me explain what I mean by that by using this picture, and hopefully it helps, our relationship with God, let's picture it as a triangle. Now, if this is some kind of satanic symbol, don't send me an email. I don't know. I'm just using a triangle. This is geometry, okay? So if there's some kind of thing you want to read into this, no. All right. Can I just tell you, people are weird these days. It is weird to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go to Colorado and live in a van down by the river. Okay, our relationship with God. Picture it as a triangle. Now, I'm gonna go through a series of these, these uh, graphics, okay? So the next one is this. Picture it as growth, okay? So, so we're on this journey, and hopefully we're getting closer in our mission statement here at Hope. We're just trying to invite everyone to follow Jesus or find Jesus and then help them move to the center of God's will for their lives. So that's what we're trying to do. So in my mind, the picture of triangle 
Maybe, maybe down here's where we start, and maybe this is shallow. It's, it's, there's not a lot of depth. Doesn't mean you don't love the Lord. Doesn't mean you're not close. Doesn't mean you're not committed. It just means that there's not a lot of knowledge. There's not a lot of experience. There's not a lot of commitment or suffering or hardship or persecution that you've gone through. And so there's like a shallowness to that. But then hopefully you grow. Maybe there is, maybe you're a believer and you're 25 years into this, but you're still in this part of the triangle because there's a lot of compromise, there's a lot of sin, whatever, okay? So anyway, you still, this is our relationship with God. So anything that happens or you see in this graphic inside that triangle, we're in relationship with God. I'm not talking about people outside of relationship with God. I'm talking about people who are in relationship with God, and I'm seeing it this way as a triangle, and it's just kind of growth. Next graphic is what I see in the scripture when David, going through his challenges, seems to live in the top part of this triangle where, where, where he is satisfied, supremely satisfied. But there's also a part of the, our relationship with God where we are both how many of you, don't raise your hand, but you experienced this. You're both satisfied and you're like, oh man, you have great, and, and then there's times in which you are dissatisfied. You're very disappointed, you're questioning God, and it's not, God's not intimidated by our questions or our doubts even, but, but there is a, now again, remember the growth arrow, or arrows, we're, we're trying to get to a place in which no matter what happens in our lives, no matter what happens to us or around us or even in us, we're moving to this part of the, our relationship with God. That I long for you, I search for you, I worship you, I praise you. Even David writing this in the middle of a very difficult season of his life. Next graphic. A reason why, some reasons why we live, and again, this is relationship with God, a reasons why we live in the bottom part of that, our relationship with God, or the, the bottom part of that triangle, or a variety of reasons. I'm not going to list every little word, but, but a lot of it is we feel distant from God. There, there, maybe there's a season in which, spiritually speaking, uh, let me say it this way, you're, you're not really in the word, you're not really praying there's just a uh, kind of a lull in your relationship. You're not even going forward. You're kind of going backward. And I'm talking about time in with him, fellowship with him. There's just kind of a distance or there's hurt. You feel like God didn't answer a prayer. You're you feel like maybe he's abandoned you in your difficulty, in your challenge. You feel like there's too many challenges. It's like, God, how, many time, how, how, many, how long can I take this? How many challenges? It feels like your whole life has been a challenge. Tragedy, those things happen. Sin, compromise, laziness, disillusioned, purpose, purposeless, materialism, idolatry. Okay, so I'm trying to cover a lot of things. Again, these are, this is us in relationship with God, but there are times in which, in which we are both satisfied and times in which we are both dissatisfied. So in other words, if you were really honest with yourself, Maybe there are times in your relationship with God where you are angry with him, 
you are disappointed with him, you are disillusioned with him, you feel like you have been abandoned by him, you feel like there is something wrong, that he doesn't love you like, like he loves me or like he loves somebody else, that there is like this favoritism, that why are they more favored than me? It feels like my whole life has been this way. What is, okay, does it make sense? Or then maybe it's your choices. We just choose to fall into sin or, or dive into sin and compromise and laziness and complacency and we know better, but yet we're just, ugh. Okay, still in a relationship with God, but we're dissatisfied. Sometimes satisfied, but mostly dissatisfied. Okay, so when I think of this dissatisfaction, I, I, I'm thinking of an example that Jesus encountered in Mark 10. If you know the story, a rich young ruler, we call him, comes to Jesus. He is a, a very devout Jewish man. And he comes to Jesus asking, hey, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you know, keep the commandments. And he goes through some of those. And the guy says, Oh, in fact, here's what he says, verse 20. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. And looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. So again, so, so just keep in mind, in the triangle, this guy is in relationship with God. He is not a, a Pharisee that is like, you know, so hypocritical and, you know, whitewashed tomb, and, or he's not like a prostitute or a tax collector. Um, he is in relation, he's Jewish, but he's in relationship with God as it relates to his faith, Old Testament, under the law. He has kept the law since he was a kid. And looking at the man, Jesus knows that he loves the Lord. At least he has a, a, a heart for that. There is still one thing you haven't done he told him, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. So I think about this story and, and, and when I think about Psalm 63 and I think about you know my life and how many times I'm a baby and how many times I'm in living in that bottom part of the dissatisfied, like, why me? You know, what is going on here, Lord? I've served, you know, whatever thing we want to say to the Lord. And then I look at this passage uh, in Mark 10, and let me put it on the screen like this. Dissatisfaction in our relationship with God happens in our lives when, we're, when our love, trust, and commitment is in something or someone else other than Jesus. doesn't mean we're not in relationship with Jesus. It just means that this man, whom Jesus saw and felt a genuine affection for, in other words, he loved him. He wasn't just like a normal Pharisee guy that Jesus always confronted with, you know, like, you know, you're, you're, you're asking this question not sincerely. Okay, he, was, he knew this guy was sincere. But yet, this guy had put his love or trust or commitment in something else. And many times, 
I feel like that's why some of us live in a dissatisfied state in our relationship with God. It's because, not all the time, but a lot of times, it's because we have put our love, commitment, our trust in something or someone else other than Jesus. And anytime we do that, can I just tell you, how many know money's not evil, right? Money's not evil. How many think you'd like more? Because you want to bless the kingdom. (laughs) How many know money in and of itself cannot buy the joy, the peace, the blessing that you're looking for? You know that, right? We just know that. Or, Or maybe it's a relationship. You know, if I just had a relationship, and many of us take that control over our lives, if you're single and you just say, you know what, I'm just going to settle and I'm just going to do what I want to do because I'm lonely or because I'm just going to do it or whatever, right? Many times we do that because, listen, and look at me, and I say this with, with grace and sincerity, it's because we're putting our trust in someone or something else other than Jesus, And I say that about my life, just like I say it about your life. So there are times in which we can trust in ourselves, we can trust in our plan, we can trust in our money, we can trust in this world, we can trust in a relationship. And then then we find ourselves in a state of disappointment because we have put our stake, we we have bet the farm on somebody else other than Jesus. And when you do, the man goes away sad Because his commitment was to his money. Where's yours and mine? Where's your and my commitment today? Where's our trust? Where's our love? And again, remember, we're in the triangle. We're in a relationship with God. But yet we keep buying into what the world has to offer rather than what God has to offer. And then we find ourselves in this, this state of like, oh, I don't know what the deal is. You know, I just can't live this life. I don't know what God's deal is. I, I don't get it. I don't hear him. I don't see him. I don't feel him. I just don't know. You're living in a dissatisfied state. Doesn't mean he doesn't love you. And it doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. It just means you're living in the bottom part of your relationship with God. And David in his challenges David, in probably one of the most emotional times, just think of your son doing this to you. I mean, lying and cheating to take over your throne and then sending you into exile. He is in this state of extreme relational difficulty, running for his life, and yet he says, God, I am satisfied in you. Some of us need to repent today for our trust in the wrong place. Now, let's go to the next graphic, okay? The top part is the satisfied area. Let me say this. Don't raise your hands, but how many say, John, I think I go, I live in this part, and I think I live in this part, and I think I go back and forth, right? So there are times in which we do that. We're normal, we're human, we do that. But 
in, and I'm just saying, remember the growth? Remember the growth? That we're trying to get to the place where our relationship, God, you are my God. Dave, first, uh, the very first verse of Psalm 63, God, you are my God. He is in relationship. It's not his dad. It's not Jesse's God. It's not Samuel, the prophet's God. You're my God. He is in relationship with God, pursuing him. I, I search for you. I thirst for you. I long for you. I praise you, I pray to you, I sing to you, I'm focused on you. This is, that's all Psalm 63, right here. And so when, when, when we find ourselves in this satisfied place, even though life is not going the way we want it, even though we're not getting all the sales that we want to get, even though our, sometimes our kids are nuts, even though sometimes our boss is nuts, even though sometimes our spouse is nuts, look straight ahead, right? <laughs> that that we, we are, God, I'm, I'm just gonna keep focused. I'm gonna keep my eyes on you. And when, when now I'm not saying this is easy, okay? So please don't, don't misunderstand me and say, hey, listen to me because I've got this all together. I do this all the time. Okay, uh, you know me better than that. I'm just saying, this is where we're trying to get to. Romans chapter 12, verse one. Here's, here's our mission is, is, is based out of this, part of our mission here at Hope, helping people find Jesus and then move to the center of God's purpose for their lives is found right here. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your, your body. So in other words, I'm saying, how do we live, how do we get to the satisfied relationship? supremely satisfied, no matter what. This is how we do it. We give our bodies to God because of all he's done for us. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. How do we find satisfaction? How do we find this relationship with God that no matter what happens in my life, no matter what the finances are, no matter what the marriage is, no matter what the relationships are, no matter what the job is, I Worship you. Don't copy the behaviors and custom, or behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then, listen, satisfaction. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That's satisfied. Second Peter, how do we get to this satisfied place? Second Peter chapter one, verse three says, and I've read this a hundred times here, I know, and I know read Romans too. But I know this is a little bit long, but stay with me. Please just read with me if you get lost. Sometimes mentally you get distracted. By his divine power, God has given us everything that we need to be satisfied. Okay, that's what, I, so in my mind, I know that's not what it says, but, but living a God of life. In other words, he's given us everything that we need to live in the, the top part of that triangle. We have received all of this by coming to know Jesus, not because we're so great, not because we're so mature, not because we're so talented, spiritually speaking, but because of him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and pre precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. So in view of the relationship that we have with God, in view of what he has done, make every effort 
So again, we're not making an effort to, to, to get, um, to get uh, accepted by God. Okay, so please understand this. Salvation is not us working, working, working and making an effort to, to be accepted by God. He accepts us because of Jesus. We just read that. Because of all he has done, he has made this way available. Not because of you, but because of Jesus. Okay, so that's, we're not making an effort to be accepted by God. Jesus has made that possible. We are making an effort to move to satisfied. Make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance. Think of the arrow going up. Think of that. Think that, that we're, we're making an effort to grow. We're making an effort for the Holy Spirit to transform our lives. Patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, arrow going up, the more productive and useful, the more satisfied you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way stay on the bottom, and Peter meant this, he meant to say this, stay in the bottom part of the triangle. I'm sure Peter had the same picture in his mind. But we fail to develop in this way or short-sighted or blind, forgetting that we have been cleansed. The gift is we've been cleansed from our old sins because of Jesus, not because of us. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard. Make an effort. Arrows going up because we're trying to move out of immaturity that gets blown and tossed by the wind because of any difficulty that we have. And God's, God's not with me. God, we're whining. And I know that. I've done that. We're trying to say make every effort. We're trying to really work hard, not to be accepted, but to live in the life that he's called us and he's provided for us to live. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life to the full, satisfied. Work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Amen. So let me put on the screen like this. Satisfaction in our relationship with God happens when our trust, desire, commitment, love, and pursuit is Jesus. That's, and I know, you're like, John, I, I could have, I knew this. Well, good. You want a cookie? Right? We all know this. If you're a believer, you know this. How many know it's one thing to know it and it's one thing to live it? Believe me, I know how hard this is. It's not easy. And so many times, and I wrote specifically in that bottom part of the triangle, laziness. And I specifically wrote that because I think sometimes I'm lazy. Sometimes I just don't, I don't want to work for it. I don't want to make an effort for it. God, could you just give me a break? Could you just, you know, could you just give me the lottery? You know what I'm saying? And I don't mean that just with money. I just mean that, could you just do what I want you to do and quit griping? Quit trying to grow me? Could you, could you just give me the toy? Right? So, so, so when, I, when I'm, and the reason I'm saying it all like this is because David wrote what he wrote in challenge and in difficulty. And some of his richest writing and some of our best living is in our difficulty. 
So when the difficulty comes, when, when, the, when the trials come or when, when, the, when the, the, the testing comes and we move toward him, how many understand it's through, your, it's through your challenges that you've learned and grown more than probably your easy victories? Does it make sense? And some of us, you know, we're like star basketball players or whatever, or some athlete that is just naturally talented. You, you know those, 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 those people that are just naturally talented. I mean, they get on the court and they just, it's like, wow. It's, it's ridiculous. But they don't want to work. They just, they just want to rest on their talents. And so in, in period three, they're winded. When, when somebody who's not as talented puts in the effort and the work and they begin to rise above, do you, does this make sense? I think some of us are pretty talented. Some of us are spiritually minded. We're, we've been raised in church. We, we kind of know the drill and, and we get lazy because of that. We kind of get lazy, like, yeah, 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 I know that, John. That's good stuff. That was a good message today. But I already knew that. <laughs> Great. Then how about you put in the effort? How about you come to practice early? Does this make sense to you? Let me put, let me put the last graphic on the screen. <clears throat> so we have our relationship with God in the picture of a triangle and we have both this both satisfied and dissatisfied state because we're in relationship with God so there's kind of a oh yeah we know the theory of being satisfied sometimes or maybe we know the feeling of being satisfied or the, or the commitment of being satisfied but then too often like the parable of the sower and the seeds we, life distracts us or we're not we're not um, deep enough and we just kind of stay in this immaturity and we, we become a dissatisfied follower of Jesus, hanging our head because our commitment and our trust is in somebody else or something else other than Jesus. Or we say, you know what, the arrow going up, we're saying, you know what, I, I don't know that sometimes I live here and I'm honest with that, but I am moving this way. And I think some of us need to make a, a solid commitment today to move. We, we can blame the church. We can blame a, a leader or a pastor or a priest for, for why we're in this state and, and all those things. But can I, and I say this respectfully, with respect to those of us who have been abused in a, in a terrible way by leadership or by the church or whatever. But can I tell you, the church didn't die on the cross for you. A pastor or a priest did not die on the cross for you. Your home group leader or your youth pastor did not die on the cross for you. And when you put your faith in the church, you put your faith in the leader, we will be disappointed. And we will, we will stay in a state of disillusionment and immaturity and lack of growth and we blame it on whatever 
And I'm just telling you, David knows. David knows injustice. David knows unfair. David knows deceit. David knows disloyalty. David knows abuse. David knows the things that we walk through. And yet he writes, God, you are my God. I earnestly seek you. I get up and I think about you. I go to sleep and I'm meditating on you. I'm praying. I'm singing my songs to you. I am focused on you even in the desert. So let me just ask you an honest question. Which part are you living in? Which part are we are we living in? And how can we, if we're in this part, how can we choose to say, God, I don't even know what this means. I do want to get up to here. I want you to be my God. I want to pursue you. I want to thirst. I want to long. I want to praise. I want to live in a satisfied state, supremely satisfied because of who you are, not because my life is like the perfect thing that I think and want. I just... I just decide that you're my desire, my trust, my commitment, my love is in you. That's the only place in which we are satisfied. Lord, your word is rich, it is powerful, it's sharp. Many of us are convicted, including myself, to say, God, help me to get out of living in that lazy, that compromising, that sinful, that disillusioned, immature place. Help us to to move toward you today. May your kingdom come, may your will be done in our lives, in our pursuit as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's weekend message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.